Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Lock and deal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What up, Duval? Welcome to episode 50 of the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by my co-host, Scott Klein. At Scott Klein one you can find him on Twitter. You can find myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And we are without Hunter Evans. This might be one of his last weeks he's not with us with uh, high school football season wrapping up. But you can check him out at Coach H underscore Evans on Twitter, and he'll be back with us soon. We are really excited for our episode today. We're turning 50 today. Are we officially old? Yeah, yeah, I think we're we're getting over the hill a little bit. <laughs> or maybe we're just hitting our stride. Yeah, I think I think that might be a better way to put it. I think I like that, Scott. Now, we've got an exciting episode. Uh, we're coming off a of Jaguars bye week. First time that the Jaguars did not lose in an even week this this year. <laughs> Pretty good. So yeah, that, that's, that's a, a good, good start. start. Yeah, a uh, huge trade by the Jaguars. They acquired Marcel Darius, Darius, one of the premier defensive tackles in football, despite what you might hear around the water cooler. Um, we have an exclusive interview with Hayes Carline here today that we're going to broadcast for the first time. We talked about a lot of the uh, hot topics in, in uh, Jaguars news, and uh, we're really excited to share that. Hayes is a good friend of the Generation Jaguar. He was the first person to ever reach out, first media person to ever reach out to us about Generation Jaguar, and uh, actually interviewed me for the newspaper when he was back at Florida Times Union, and uh, we I was on the front cover of the sports page taking a picture of our first tailgate at the uh, 2015 draft party. Hot dog, you're famous. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it was just pretty awesome. That was a big moment for me in terms of like... Knowing Generation Jaguar is probably a good idea and all that stuff. and It was a lot of fun. So, shout out to Hayes. We'll get to his interview. We have it broken up into three segments, partially out of necessity because we had some technical issues. But that's all good. Um, the Jaguars, again, were able to avoid a loss in their first even week of the season. So... Perhaps that can lead to two consecutive wins because, you know, the Jaguars only win on uh, on odd weeks and we're playing in an odd week this week, week nine. So it's exciting. Now, this episode, as with every episode, is presented by Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. You can find them online at BoldCityBrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. They've hooked us up with some great beers here today. We got the pumpkin, the pumpkin ale. You know, it's still pumpkin season. Some people might be moving past that now that Halloween has passed, but I'm still in pumpkin season here. We've got a barrel-aged Dukes, which is, I 
Dukes is Scott's favorite beer. It's one of my favorite beers. Get the barrel aged. Can't beat it. And we have a pop top segment that we'll get to after we uh, broadcast our interview with Hayes and talk about some other Jaguars news. But shout out to Bold City Brewery. You can find them uh, at either of their locations on Roselle and Riverside or on Bay Street downtown. They're always hooking it up for us, so we love those guys. Make sure to give them a shout. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Uh, Tailgate, we haven't had a tailgate in a while. We're excited about that. We are going to be tailgating and tailgaters parking row C&D as always. Uh, this Sunday before the game, we'll get out there around 9 a.m. We'll have Metro Diner chicken biscuits, craft beer, craft vodka. We're going to have a Drink Duval pop-up. If you haven't heard of those guys, you'll get to see what Drink Duval is all about for the first time. And the craft beer, vodka, and chicken biscuits from Metro Diner are all free for Jag members. You can sign up online at GenJag.com. You can also find all of our articles, podcasts, videos at GenJag.com, along with these brand new spiffy shirts we got on here. Welcome to Saxonville. We're excited about these, uh, absolutely. Jaguars are on a record-setting pace on sack numbers, Calais Campbell's record-setting pace. So we're excited to have these Welcome to Saxonville shirts. You can find those at GenJag.com. If you uh, have trouble typing links, you can... Check out any one of our social media pages <laughs> to uh, access GenJag.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So, yeah, we look forward to selling some more of these shirts. They're selling pretty quick, so you can check those out. we still got our Lord Ramsey shirts. We've got a few sizes of those left, not all the sizes. Uh, Believer since Weaver, a lot of fun stuff. So check it out, GenJag.com. So before we get to the injury update, Marcel Darius, what are your thoughts, Scott? We had, there was a volcano that erupted in our text message group it was just absolutely insane just when i first saw it it was like all right i got duped you know i, I my heart my heart jumped skipped a beat i was so excited and i was like adarn chapter has got me again but uh, you look there's a check mark next to his name and it clicks and it's like this is unreal i mean yeah. when you can add a guy like Darius, um, to a defensive line that's already arguably the best in the league and on a historic pace. I mean, <laughs> you get better in the run game immediately. You get better in the passing pass defense because he's a more than capable pass rusher. Um, he's a guy where even at a position where you feel very comfortable at, they saw an opportunity to get better. And just and they just ran, they just took it. Where yeah. instead of being complacent and saying, you know, we're pretty good, let's just go in knowing that we're good and hope that can take us where we need to go. They it's, didn't. It's they, shocking to me the Bills couldn't get more than a six round pick for Darius. That really shocked me. I didn't. I did, would never have guessed that it would be that little. Yeah, I mean, a six round pick for. Former Pro Bowler, former All Pro, yeah. a guy that had his best years under Doug Marone, uh, a guy that was an All Pro under Doug Marone. Marone's obviously very familiar with him. Now, some uh, comments that were made about Marone by Darius right after Marone left Buffalo <laughs> weren't so great, but 
the fact that they might have had whatever disagreements they had uh, and and that Doug Marone was still willing to pull the trigger and bring this guy in here and really try to make an adjustment to a team, to a defense that's already playing great football. Mm-hmm. Granted, they're not playing great against the run, and Darius certainly helps you there. But you could potentially... Uh, there's potential for you know chemistry issues. There's potential for scheme issues. There's potential for a number of different issues. And Marone, Coughlin, Caldwell decided, despite the potential to ruin what's going on, they think that the opportunity to create an amazing defense, yeah. which some people, you could certainly argue, already was amazing, but. To make a great defense even better. And they, they took their opportunity on Friday night. And kudos to them for pulling it off. I mean, Marcel Darius. This is a guy who... There's a good chance he's going to be a Hall of Fame defensive tackle. I mean, he has some of the best numbers you've seen from a defensive tackle in recent years. As of late, his pass rush ability hasn't been showcased as much as it had been earlier in his career, but he's still been super stout against the run and hasn't been a slouch in the pass rush by any mm-hmm. means. So it's really exciting to get him there. He comes into a loaded defensive front. It seems like he'll immediately overtake Avery Jones as the starting big defensive tackle, mm-hmm. play next to Malik Jackson and get Unique slash Dante on one side, Calais on the other, move all those guys around. I mean, it's crazy that the Jaguars got Marcel Darius. Yeah, and it and it allows you to be that much more conservative with how many plays each individual guy runs. Yeah, this just it just lets you you. There's not really a step down when Malik Jackson comes off the field, right? Because you can just slide. You can even slide um, uh, Darius over into the three spot and the three technique. Yeah, and I mean, he he's can just get after capable, it. Yeah, so it's it's man, it's. An unbelievable. It's to me, it's the one of the most impactful trades I can remember ever as a Jaguar. Yeah, I mean, it, before he even plays it down, it could be it could be the best, at least in season trade I've ever seen. Yeah, in, and I think a lot of people kind of think about him as like a declining player. Just because he hasn't been great. He's been good in Buffalo the last yeah. couple of years. He hasn't been what he was. But the guy's still only 27 years old. Yeah. His and I, best years could be the next couple of years. Yeah. And <laughs> he's he, it, it didn't seem like it, there was a real fit up there with the new, uh, with the new coaching staff. He wasn't staff getting along everything. with the new regime, the management, coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if a guy's really just not motivated to give 100%, you know, and if he's maybe not asked to do a lot of things other than just eat up blockers and let the other guys wreak havoc, eh, who knows if maybe a change of scenery and coming back down into warm weather is going to light a fire under him. Yeah. But, I mean, you got to think that there's something of the all-pro that's still in there. Well, there's no question. He's still playing very well. Yeah. Uh, he just hasn't been playing at an all-pro level. But who knows? Maybe next to these guys, he can really spark a fire. And uh, Look how much better the, the rest of the D-line got when Calais Campbell showed exactly. up. Exactly. And Darius is a type of player in terms of talent 
and what he's done in the NFL, you can certainly argue he might be more talented than Calais Campbell. Yeah. I mean, he's... He hasn't been as consistent in his career, mm-hmm. but he might be more talented. So it's just... <laughs> we can talk all day about this, but just for them to show me that, that they, they're willing to pull the trigger and make a strength even stronger shows me that this is kind of a message like, hey, we do think we can win this year or next year or it's not five, ten years down the road. Yeah. They, they're they're, ready they're to win. bought in to win now. Win now. That's yeah. it. Hashtag win now. Now, speaking of winning now, the Jaguars play the Bengals this weekend. They're, the Jaguars' bye week came out a perfect time. Yeah. They look like they're going to be completely healthy against the Bengals. Their only non-participant in Wednesday's practice was Marquise Lee, who's dealing with a knee injury. He's been on the injury report, it seems like, since probably week two or three. And he's just been battling through the injuries. He hasn't been playing amazing football. He hasn't been playing terrible. He's been... He's been tough and out there. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been fighting through all sorts yeah. of stuff. He's had He has a, had rib injury, knee injury, ankle, all sorts of stuff. Uh, so, kudos to Lee. He's probably going to... It'd be shocking if he didn't play, even though he missed practice. And he was the only non-participant at practice. Uh, Blake Bortles is on the injury report. He's been on the injury report all year with a uh, right wrist injury. But he was a full full participant. Also full participant, Brandon Linder, who he's practicing for the first time in almost a month after dealing with an illness that held him out of three games. Uh, D.D. Westbrook. Core surgery to start the season, missed the first eight or missed the first eight weeks of the season. He's now eligible to return. He's practicing in full. He's a guy that can really take the top off the defense and maybe provide some uh, much needed relief at the wide receiver position. Leonard Fournette participating full after the ankle injury against the Rams that held him out against the Colts. And Cam Robinson, he's limited, but. Uh, he was still at practice, still playing, and he's dealing with the ankle injury he sustained in the first drive against the Colts in Week 7. So good to see him out there. Looks like all these guys are going to be ready to play, which is just almost unheard of at this point in the season. Yeah, it's always been, I remember even just a couple of years ago, where it just seemed like we were the league leader in guys on the injured reserve, where there was just injury right. everywhere. But, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to jinx it. It's just it, there's not a lot of names on this list. And yeah. it's, it's The names the on the list are time. big ones, but it does look like it's going to be all good for this week at, at the very least. So that's going to be huge against a Bengals team that while their record doesn't really indicate that they're a strong team, they do play good defense and they have talent on offense. Mm-hmm. So getting to the Bengals. Uh, They have some injuries concerns of their own, perhaps more significant than the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, their their list certainly is quite a bit longer. There's a lot more names on it. Um, Starting off, you know, there's a couple guys like Dre Kirkpatrick and Andre Smith who were limited. Um, Those, they're two guys that you would think would probably be going to play. Um, Unless there's some sort of setback. But um, there's a lot of names that people are going to recognize that didn't practice today. 
Um, you got a couple guys in Kevin Minter, former LSU linebacker, um, Tyler Boyd. Um, those guys, they've been out. Um, Minter, was, uh, he, he hurt his elbow against the Steelers on the 22nd, and um, Boyd hasn't played since earlier, this, earlier last month. Against Buffalo, He's a guy that can really give you a little spark on offense and special teams. Yeah, and with a team that's really searching for a number two, um, a wide receiver uh, behind AJ Green, um, he's a guy you'd love to have out there just to have a body. Right. Um, his running mate, who kind of was unexpected, um, Brandon LaFell, he's dealing with a hamstring issue. Um, it's still hit or miss whether he's going to go, um, but. I mean, he's been really the the only guy to step up behind uh, AJ Green to really get anything done. Um, they have uh, Randy Bullock, their kicker. Uh, he has a back injury. He didn't practice. Uh, I would assume right now, unless you see them sign a kicker right. in the next yeah, day or two, he's gonna play. Yeah. I mean, there's, you you just if if there's any question, they're gonna sign a guy. Right. Um, and then Michael Johnson. Defensive end, who back when he was a free agent uh, coming from, uh, I believe it was Tampa, a guy that I was interested in coming to the Jaguars, he's out with a back injury. So there's a lot of guys on this list where he's one of their mainstays on the defensive line. Uh, He's been one of their most consistent players for quite some time. So I mean, there's these guys. If if any number of these guys miss, it's going to hurt them. Because right. these they, these are all starters, but maybe Boyd not so much. But he's contributor. Yeah, I mean he he would at least be their third wide receiver. Yeah. Um. So they really we're gonna have to keep an eye on it to see exactly how the week progresses because there's a lot of names on this list that they really would like to get on the field. Yeah, no doubt about it. So it looks like in terms of the injuries status at this point that the Jaguars have the advantage. Yeah. We'll see. We'll monitor that going throughout the week, but it looks like they have the advantage over the Bengals in that specific uh, area of this contest coming up this week. But we're going to get you into a uh, Bengals preview in a little bit. But first, we're going to give you our exclusive interview with Hayes Carline. He's one of the first guests we've had on the show. We don't do guests all the time, but we wanted to get his thoughts coming off uh, after the bye week what he thinks about the team, some of the storylines going on. And he's just a great friend of the show, great friend of Generation Jaguar, so we're happy to have him on. We'll get you into part one of our interview with him right now. We talked about Telvin Smith's contract, which is obviously very exciting for Jaguars Nation. Uh, we talked about him switching over to 1010XL from the Florida Times Union and Jacksonville.com. We got cut off a little bit here in part one, but we will continue the uh, talk into part two after part one. But here's part one of our interview with Hayes Carline. We had a great time talking to him. Enjoy. Hello, this is Hayes. Hayes, it's Jordan here with Generation Jaguar and GenJag.com. How are you doing today? Good, Jordan. It's great to uh, talk to you. Yeah, it's great to talk with you too. It's been a long time. Uh, Hayes is actually the first uh, journalist to ever interview me regarding Generation Jaguar, so we're kind of... Uh, flipping the script here today but uh, it's definitely good to talk to you yeah absolutely that was a lot of fun uh, writing that story and I'm, I'm glad things are going so great for you guys yeah it's been a fun process for sure it's gosh it's been about two and a half years now so uh 
Definitely great to get your insight here today. We've just got a few questions we wanted to talk to you about for our podcast. Uh, obviously, the Jaguars are coming out with some news at some really odd times this year. Uh, last night, Telvin Smith's contract news came out at about 10 p.m., I believe. Uh, but talk about Telvin Smith and his contract. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, it is, and uh, it's good to see. And I, I got to say, I was a little uh, in the off season. I was a little skeptical on whether the Jaguars would and should sign Telvin to a contract extension because he is a little bit of a tweener. I, I don't know if he hit the open market. Uh, how many teams would would really consider him just based on on scheme fit? Uh, not to suggest he isn't a, a good player, but. There just aren't a lot of teams that are willing to, you know, pay big money to a, a, an undersized linebacker. Um, but I, I will say he has been brilliant in these first uh, seven games to start the year, and I think that's what Tom Coughlin saw. And uh, you know, and so I, I think it's great for Kelvin Smith. It was it was one of those things where um, it, it appears like the contract is four years, forty four million, is I think what. Uh, it'll come in at, and well, it'll be interesting to see what the guaranteed money on the deal is. Yeah. Uh, and, and and as far as uh, you know, how much they're they're front loading it and things like that. But um, but I'll say this for Telvin, uh, he has the most natural leadership instincts I think of any player in the locker room that's still up and coming, uh, that hasn't really hit the peak of his career yet. And and that was sort of the tone of what I wrote uh, last night for 1010XL.com is, you know, Telvin Smith came in here as a guy who, you know, had failed a drug test at the Combine, fell to the fifth round, uh, you know, didn't even start his rookie year until the 12th game, but he wanted to be a leader from the outset and was really met with some resistance from older players uh, <laughs> in terms of speaking to the team. And what I think is so cool about this for Telvin is obviously as he's gone on and now he's in his fourth year, uh, he's become more of a leader. But in the NFL, money talks. And this contract is, uh, is the badge that he needs to really assert himself uh, and, and become a leader, not just now, uh, but for the future. I think this is Calais Campbell's team right now, and that's a great thing. He's Absolutely. made an enormous positive impact. But I think the franchise is in good hands from a leadership standpoint, knowing that Telvin Smith will be here you know, for, for the next several years. Yeah, and hopefully Calais will be around for a while. He's not in his mid-30s yet. He's still early 30s, so he's a guy that might have a lot left in the tank. It certainly appears that way right now. Uh, and Telvin, yeah. he got a lot more money than I believed he would, uh, certainly on the open market, and more than I thought the Jaguars would pay him. But that just kind of goes out to show how much they wanted him to stick around. Right, and, and again, the Jaguars are you know in a good position from a salary cap standpoint. Um, I think they had roughly about forty million prior to this extension, um, so you know they still have you know plenty to work with. And again, I, I don't think they're going to uh, move forward with Blake Bortles after this year. So let's hope not. <laughs> I don't think that the nineteen million is going to factor in. Yeah. So again, the Jaguars are going to have. Some, some wiggle room here, I would think, because, uh, you know, obviously, if you take a quarterback in the first round next year, particularly if that quarterback, if you're taking that quarterback somewhere in the teens to 20s, uh, and ideally 32, um, <laughs> that quarterback is not going to have a very high salary. Um, 
you know, so again, we'll see. They still have uh, flexibility to go out and, and get a veteran quarterback if one hits the market. Uh, you know, if they want to try and make a deal for Alex Smith, that kind of a thing. Uh, they still have that flexibility, and I still think they have the flexibility to either sign Allen Robinson to a long-term deal or certainly franchise him. Um, but it's outstanding, I think, for the Jaguars right now with where they are with their roster building uh, to have Brandon Linder and Telvin Smith now signed long-term. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good uh, – that was a great offseason for the Jaguars to have three players uh, in Linder, Telvin, and, and Alan Hearns that were able to earn second contracts. Yeah, it's been pretty cool and uh, pretty sad. The 2013 extensions are looking uh, a lot less exciting than the 2014 extensions, but that was kind of the way it was for the entire uh, league in 2013 draft-wise. It just was not an impressive draft. But uh, earlier you mentioned uh, 1010XL.com. How's the transition for you been from 1010, or excuse me, from uh, Times Union to 1010? It's been phenomenal, and uh, the Times Union was great about uh, you know being supportive of me moving on. I stayed with them for uh, the final, I guess, six weeks of the season last year after I'd agreed to to take the job after 1010 uh, XL recruited me over there. Um, so, uh, so you know, it was. So that was our first part of the Hayes Carline interview. We're going to go ahead and get you into the second part here. Uh, we continued talking about his transition over to 1010XL, and we also talked about D.D. Westbrook's return for the Jaguars and what that might mean for the passing offense and the offense as a whole. Uh, I'm excited about D.D. Westbrook's return. We'll uh, give you some of Hayes' thoughts here. And uh, sorry about the brief uh, cutout for a little bit that we had some technical difficulties. But we'll go ahead and get you into the second part of our interview with Hayes Carline right now. Frangie's show, Frank's been fantastic. Um, Brent and Lauren are phenomenal to work with. So, um, you know, everybody sort of, you know, when they pull me aside and say, hey, you know, how are you liking it? How's it going? You know, I, I think people are, are sometimes disappointed that I don't have like juicy details to share but because I know it's not boring just to say it's kind of boring just to say hey everybody's been great but that's really how it's been I'm, it's, I've been blown away by uh, I knew Brent and I knew Lauren and I knew Frank uh, prior to joining the show but I didn't know them incredibly well and uh, you know and you never know how that's going to go from a chemistry standpoint and and things of that you know nature but they have been phenomenal from the first day they continue to be and, uh, you know, it's, it's great that we have that because, you know, you're doing 18 hours of radio with three people a week. You, it's really beneficial if you, if you all get along and enjoy listening to what the other people have to say. So um, it, it's been phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, how we can continue to build the momentum. Yeah. So personally for me, just listening to the Frank Frangie show in the afternoons, having your insight on there has been fantastic in my opinion uh well i appreciate I, that thank you i don't want to insult anyone over there by saying that the jaguars knowledge has really really risen since you arrived so i think it's been a great thing i'm sure they all well, thank agree you. over there so uh keep up the good work at 1010 and we'll continue listening obviously now 
Do you believe the Jaguars' passing game can become more consistent, and do you think the return of D.D. Westbrook will help? I think the return of D.D. will help, um, because really up until this past week, we hadn't seen anything out of Keelan Cole. So, uh, you know, you just can't have a guy that's playing 35, 40 snaps and, you know, basically is catching one pass a game for seven yards. Uh, now, what he did against the Colts was incredibly encouraging, particularly since, you know, not only was it a 52-yard catch, but he did it right out of the gate. So it instantly gave the Colts something to think about the rest of the game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I don't think the bar is very high for Didi. Like, you know, I, I think the hype train on Didi Westbrook is a little out of control. Like, I don't think you're going to see him come in and, you know, instantly light it up. Um, it'd be great to see. But we are talking about a guy who has missed a lot of practice time, uh, had a good camp, but wasn't, you know, I think Keelan Cole sort of outshined him in camp for the majority of it. So, you know, this isn't somebody who I think, you know, we've been, you know, seeing superstar things out of. And again, that's not to say that he can't hit that. Um, but I would think it's going to take some amount of time for DD to get up to speed and in the rhythm of the offense and, uh, you know, as we move forward. But it's definitely exciting to have him back. The Jaguars were desperate for help at receiver. Um, so I, I think it will help. And again, the bar is not high for him to contribute more than what Keelan Cole has been doing. Um, as far as the passing game, I don't really expect much from it. They have nine games left. You know, I, I wrote this the other day. I think if Bortles can give them four games like he's done against Baltimore and Indianapolis. So that would be you know, four out of the nine, yeah. which I think is a fair expectation for him. Um, then I think if he plays well four more times, with the way this defense and ground game is playing, I almost feel like that's four guaranteed wins. So now you're at eight. And then of those other five, you need to hope that the defense can, on its own in the ground game, can, you know, win two of those five. Which is also uh, not an unrealistic four. expectation. Right. So, uh, and, and they've shown they can do that. And again, that's not saying that they have to win a game where Bortles throws three picks, right. but that we've seen it in Houston and, uh, and in Pittsburgh where Bortles didn't do a whole lot, but the defense was so dominant and the ground game was so dominant that they won sort of being able to protect him a little bit. So, uh, you know, so I think that's the recipe. If, if, if the offense, if the passing game can play well four out of the nine and then the defense can, you know, bail them out of two of the other five. Now you're talking, I think, about a 10-6 and six team. And I think 10-6, and six, it certainly gets you in to the playoffs. And I think there's a really good chance that it wins the AFC South. Yeah, I agree. So for me, I'm just, I would like to see DD uh, really just kind of open up the Jaguars' offense a little bit. Not necessarily in terms of getting huge numbers, but just the fact that he's out on the field, uh, I think might be able to loosen up defenses a little bit in terms of what they have to do in terms of loading the box. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think it'll be important for Nathaniel Hackett, you know, right out of the gate, as soon as D.D. Westbrook is up to speed and he's cleared and he's, you know, shown in practice that he's in rhythm and knows the offense, you know, I think you put him out there, you know, right out of the gate and you just send him deep and you let the, the opponent, you know, whether it's Cincinnati, who, you know, hopefully that's who it'll be, um, you know, you let Marvin Lewis and his staff feel that speed immediately, and then, and, and particularly the safeties, and then I think you start to put the 
plant the seed of, okay, we can't totally sell out. We can't take that Wade Phillips game plan that the Rams used and, you know, totally sell out to stop Fournette. Yeah. Because if we do that, you know, we can't leave D.D. Westbrook, you know, five yards behind our defense. Because I do think he does have that gear. Um, that's exactly what I was thinking about when I was when I was writing about D.D. Westbrook. That Rams game, I was just thinking if he was out there and up to full speed, I think it really would have given Wade Phillips some pause in the middle of the field running some goal line defense. Yeah, I think I think that's an excellent point. So uh, and, and and so I think that will be key for the Jaguars. Now Blake needs to hit it, and right. uh, and Didi needs to catch it, and then it really becomes a big time factor. But you know, it was a brilliant draft strategy, you know, by Tom Coughlin to you know go ahead and and lock up the power with Leonard Fournette in the first round, and then see a player like Didi in the fourth and say, you know what. You know, if, if you've got a, a powerful physical ground game and then you've got a receiver on the outside that can just flat, you know, burn a defense, that's a tough combination. So it really will be interesting to see if, if Westbrook's presence does sort of soften things up in the box. Teams are obviously still going to prioritize stopping Leonard Fournette. I mean, that that's what they should do. Yeah. But, you know, I but I agree with you. I don't know that you'll see the, the Rams blueprint be executed uh, if Westbrook is able to show that, you know, look, he can he can get deep, he can finish the play, and he can score. Yeah, I'm with you there. So uh, we're talking about the pass game becoming a little bit more consistent, and I don't think either of us thinks it'll be consistent to the point where uh, it's no longer considered a weakness, but maybe just a tad bit more consistency on some third down plays or on some, uh, you know, early down plays where teams just can't load the box because maybe they're a little worried about Didi. So that was the second part of our interview with Hayes Carlion talking about Didi Westbrook. Uh, we're really excited about him. I think Hayes is pretty excited too, but really trying to temper expectations a little bit about his maybe statistical numbers. But I think in terms of the impact on the offense, in terms of... Uh, what defenses are able to do schematically, Didi's going to help out a lot. And he should be able to just win plays. He might not dominate a game, but it should be apparent that he's just, he's capable of beating guys whenever. Yeah. Now we're going to go ahead and get into our final segment with Hayes Carline. We talked about Calais Campbell and whether or not it's playoffs or bust for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think we've talked about both of those subjects here on the show before very briefly but it's good to get the opinion of Hayes Carline who's been covering the team for what seems like forever now and uh, we'll go ahead and get you into that right now. Now we were talking a little bit about pass rush. Calais Campbell is he an MVP candidate if he keeps up this level of play? I think he's certainly in the running for defensive player of the year. Um yeah, I mean, I, I think 10 sacks through seven games. I mean, he's on pace for 22, 23. I mean, that's, I yeah, mean, that's 23, unbelievable. Right under 23. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, I'm, I'm hearing people say, well, he can't keep it up. Well, I don't know why he can't keep it up. I mean, teams are obviously emphasizing stopping him. And it's been and consistent it's, it's week not, in and week out. It really has. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, again, this is somebody who really, I mean – he is, he's such a nice guy, and he's 
he's always accommodating with interviews. So, I mean, I've interviewed him now probably seven or eight times since he's been with the team. And every single time, you just can't get over how big he is. <laughs> I mean, it is incredible, his size and, and the way that he can move. So, I mean, there's an old adage in football. It's, uh, it's from the you know, Dallas Cowboys you know, in their glory years under Tom Landry and, and uh, all the way to Nick Saban at Alabama. But there's a tenet of football of, you know, big people, you know, beat up little people. And that's what we're seeing. It's just mm-hmm. that simple. Calais Campbell is just a big guy, and he's just beating up the littler guy. And I don't think you can scheme that or stop it. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think we're asking ourselves, boy, did, did Arizona, I mean, did they just not use him right? I mean, you know, how do you explain really that a that guy, way. you know, is able to have this sort of surge in production? Um you know, when he's 30, but it's, it's outstanding. So, yeah, I think he's in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year, and he's somebody that everybody knows about. That helps. He's not coming out totally out of nowhere. Um, Calais Campbell has a good reputation in the league for what he did with Arizona. Um, and, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to his stats. Obviously, J.J. Watt's out for the year, so, you know, you don't. I don't think you have to worry about maybe that star, you know, kind of, if it's a tie, well, it'll go to the star player because it's J.J. Watt or whoever. Um, right. His numbers are so much better than, you know, the other, quote, stars, defensive stars right now. Uh, and we're not seeing a, a defensive back that's really, you know, kind of putting it out there for a defensive player of the year resume. I mean, I think Jalen Ramsey's unbelievable, but... Yeah, he, it's deser- hard to he would deserve it but... unless you're ending up with six or seven picks. Right, the stats just haven't quite been there. It's much easier to be a for tangible stats to be racked up by pass rushers than uh, cornerbacks, obviously. But Jalen certainly would be deserving of that type of talk as well. I'm with you. Um, thoughts are about the rest of the AFC South. We know what the Colts are. They're one of the worst teams in football. But um, Texans, Titans, what do you see from those two teams right now? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I'm having trouble buying that Deshaun Watson is all of a sudden you know, like the best quarterback in the you know <laughs> in the NFL. Right. Um, so I'm interested to see if he, as more film gets out there, if teams start to figure out a way to to slow him down a little bit. Um, and I still think that not having Watt and Merciless will affect Houston moving forward. Um, so. They're a, they're certainly a contender. There's somebody to worry about, but I really think it comes down to Tennessee because they've already won here. Um, so the Jaguars have to go there to close the season. And, uh, you know, I mean, they've, they've sort of got, they seem to match up pretty well with what the Jaguars have, um, because they have the offensive line, uh, and, and things like that. So I think Tennessee is the one team that, you have to sort of keep your eye on and the team that, you know, when the Jaguars aren't playing and the Titans are, you have to sort of lock in on them and pull for the opponent. Right. Um, so I don't think the Colts have a chance. I, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you on that. Um, I think Houston has a chance, but I think this division comes down to the Titans and the, uh, and the Jaguars and, and both schedules are easy, but the Jaguars do have, I think an advantage. They still have to play Cleveland and San Fran. Um, where the Titans have already played Cleveland right. and, really uh, struggled. the Jaguars have to play <laughs> Seattle, but the Titans still have to play at Pittsburgh and against the Rams. So to me, the Titans have, if you don't count the Jaguars, the Titans have two tough games out of the division. I think the Jaguars just have one tough game 
outside of the division. Um, so anyway, I, th- I think it'll come down to Jacksonville and Tennessee, but I think Jacksonville wins the division. And I think they, they may actually have it wrapped up before they even go to Nashville. Uh, and I think they better, cause I think that's a tough ask to, yeah. uh, to win that kind of a game, uh, you know, to close the season. Yeah, I'm with you. And for me, if that if it does come down to that game, that is just going to be really nerve-wracking, obviously. But if it doesn't yeah. come down to that game, I still think it's a bit of a litmus test for the Jaguars to prove that they can overcome the Titans hurdle. I mean, this is a franchise that has, you know, throughout the years really given the Jaguars fits. Obviously, the Titans always haven't been at the top of their game, but it seems like every time the Jaguars are good, the Titans are good. And they're always just a thorn in the Jaguars' side. So I'd really like to see them win that game, regardless of if it has playoff implications or not. I think that would be an yeah, important mental you, hurdle. What do you? If that game is for the division, how how big of a contingent do you think the Jaguar fans will have in Nashville for that game? Man, I think it could be great. I I might go up there. Uh, I I normally watch all the away games over at Bricks Tap House for our watch parties, but. That's not too far of a drive for something that's that important and that rare in the Jaguars franchise. Uh, I think you'll see a huge contingent of Jaguar fans up there. Yeah, I think that'd be a great statement to the rest of the league, particularly after all the grief that this fan base has taken over the years to overtake Nashville and uh, really have a vocal, strong, vocal, loud presence uh, You know, in, in that regular season finale, if, if it's for all the marbles. Yeah, that would be really cool. You could see something kind of like you saw with Tampa uh, last year where, you know, there's a whole bunch of Bold City Brigade people and other Jaguar fans just in a huge section of Teal. And we kind of did that for the Jets. Uh, Bold City Brigade went up there too, and we had a bunch of Gen Jag people go up. And there was a lot of Teal in that stadium as well. Unfortunately, it didn't work out very well for us, but uh, it was still a good time. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. Hopefully it doesn't come down to that final game and uh you know, but boy, if it did, what a matchup. Yeah. Now, I think I know the answer to this, but is it playoffs or bust for the Jaguars? Yeah, I think so. I mean I, I think based on the schedule and what we've seen, I mean this really could be a six and one team and its its floor is four and three. I mean You're it's right. at its floor, but yeah. no you can't argue that they should be worse than four and three because they've won four games by you know, 22 points or more. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is. I think it's, you know, because of, you know, how easy the schedule is, um, there's no reason that this team shouldn't close 6-3, and three, which, again, gets you to 10-6. and six. And, yes, we've seen 10-6 and six teams not make the playoffs before, but this doesn't feel like that kind of year. There is so much parity right now. Yeah. But to think that there's going to be, you know, a division champion in the AFC South that's ten and six and gets the tiebreaker, and then you have two, you know, wild card teams that are ten and six or better that knock the Jaguars out. That's just that's. I'm not even. I guess mathematically, I'm sure it's possible, but I think it's a very small chance. So I agree. With yeah, you I think there. that should be the goal. It's six and three, gets you to ten and six, and then you know you should have a uh, golden ticket into the tournament. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us here, Hayes, and uh, wish you the best of luck. And obviously, we got Florida Georgia coming up this weekend. We know you're a Gator. You have any insight into that one? I think it's going to be ugly. 
uh, for the Gators, um, unfortunately. I think unless Georgia just forgets how to play football, which does sometimes happen when they arrive in Jacksonville. Yeah. But uh, I think I think Georgia wins a game 24-9 kind of game, um, you know, where it's probably not even as close as that score would indicate. But, uh, but we'll see. And uh, I certainly appreciate you guys having me on, and, and certainly uh, congratulations on your success, and, and best of luck in your future endeavors. Yeah, same to you. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon, Hayes. All right. Sounds great. Take care. All right. All right. So that wraps up our Hayes Carline interviews. It appears we might have gotten cut off at the end of those segments, and we're sorry for that. But we had a great time talking to Hayes. He's always very insightful with the Jaguars and with you know, all sports knowledge, honestly. So we really appreciate having him on and we uh, really look forward to talking to him again in the near future. Hopefully this next time we talk to him, it can be both of us chatting with him. Uh, We just had a uh, random moment of being able to get in with him and we decided to take that opportunity. But yes, again, sorry for the technical difficulties. If any of that was cut off, we do apologize but we're really excited to get to the rest of the show. We've got our Jaguars Bengals preview and a few other things to get into. But first, we're going to do our Pop Top segment. We've got a beer from Bold City Brewery called The Cowfish. <laughs> uh, Scott, I just poured my beer. Scott Dang just it. poured his beer. Uh, we can just drink out of the can. <laughs> Just poured a nice pumpkin. That is something else. <laughs> Tastes like cowfish. <laughs> no, that is a. That's one of the more interesting beers we've had. I can't remember what uh, type of beer that is. But interesting flavor if you like getting creative out there definitely go try the cowfish we always get new and different types of beers every time right and that's what the great thing about bold city breweries downtown location is they're just always experimenting with different stuff so if you don't like one thing they're gonna have something new for you very soon so that's awesome but let's go ahead and get into our jaguars Bengals preview i'll start it off the Bengals offense is struggling They've got talent. Uh, they've got Andy Dalton, who's been a consistent quarterback in the league for the last uh, over the last half decade, six, seven seasons. They've got A.J. Green, one of the best wide receivers in football. Uh, they've got a plethora of impressive, regularly impressive running backs. But they're not getting the job done. Uh, they're scoring less than 20 points a game. Their highest score this season was 31 against the Browns. But... Uh, other than that, they've failed to score more than 24 points in a game. And uh, those 24 points were against the Colts and the Packers, so neither of those two defenses is really doing much to impress you at this point. Uh, Their offensive line, not playing well. They're allowing over three sacks per game. They're not opening up running lanes. Uh, That running game, despite having Joe Mixon... Uh, Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard, they're averaging under four yards a carry for as a team, and uh, it's been pretty ugly. They lack a real number two wide receiver like we talked about. Uh, Brandon LaFell's kind of having to be that guy, and 
he really has never developed into the type of player that you want to have to rely upon. Um, there's no Tyler Eifert, who he would be easily the number two guy. At times, the number one guy. He's a special tight end, really great receiving tight end, often injured. Uh, they're only averaging 78 yards a game on the ground. Now, their running backs are contributing as receivers on screen passes a lot. They've been doing a lot of those and having some good success with them. Joe Mixon did that uh, pretty well last week. I think he ended up with around 100 total yards last week, but only had eight, excuse me, 18 rushing yards. So they are being able to utilize their running backs out of the backfield on screens and such. But, I mean, what do you see from this offense that suggests that they might be able to be successful against a Jaguars defense that should be even better with Marcel Darius? Um, AJ Green. <laughs> That's about it. I mean... And I mean, what, it's, what... If your best weapon, your only weapon, is a wide receiver, that's not a good recipe to beat the Jaguars. Yeah. Because either, no matter what side of the field they're going to be on, it's going to be blanket coverage. Um, so, I mean, it's to me, it all starts with the offensive line. Um, they lost two you, Pro Bowl caliber players in Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zietler. Um, they've tried to fill in. It's not working, <laughs> whatever they're trying to do. Um, it's... they. I, I, I've, I follow a couple different Bengals people, so I keep an eye yeah, on them. Actually, isn't Goodberry like your favorite NFL guy? Yeah, he's he's a guy who I talk about a lot, Joe Goodberry. Yeah. I shout him out on Twitter. Um, he's a Bengals guru, um, so I, I keep an eye on them. I kind of watch from afar throughout the season. Um, he's just – the coaching staff is killing them as far as being able to get the weapons even onto the field. Yeah, let's talk about exact. Man, you brought this up a little <laughs> bit earlier when we were talking. Yeah, John Ross. He's the speedster, the guy who broke, right. shattered the records at the NFL Combine. Right. First Rookie out of Washington, mm-hmm. wide receiver. Uh, like you said, shattered NFL record or NFL Combine records for his forty-yard dash, and was really expected to really help this Bengals offense be more explosive. Yeah, he was he was a guy that could come in, be the number two, bring speed to a team who really didn't have a ton outside of AJ Green. Um, he's been injured; he's missed a couple games early on. Um, Cody Core, one of the players on the uh, injury list, was out last week. So John Ross finally healthy, dressed for the game, didn't even really play that much. And after the game, uh, when asked about it, Marvin Lewis said, yeah, he dressed because Cody Core was out, but he wasn't really a part of the game plan. So you have John Ross ready to play, but you're not you're not going to do anything for the fastest player in football? It's, it's, it's baffling to me, going along with some of the other decisions they make to let offensive linemen walk in the offseason to um, keep... Yeah, and Goodberry said, you know, they just don't, they won't pay offensive linemen. Yeah, they just, in, interior, interior linemen, they don't value them. 
Um, and you and see what Whitworth is doing uh, for yeah. the Rams. He's a great addition for them. He is and, older, right? He's very old, but he's still playing at an extremely high level. You gotta, you gotta throw age out the window and look at what the guy's doing. Yeah, and, and and they have a couple tackles that are young guys who re- don't really have a lot of experience. And you look at their offensive line, and I don't think I would take a single one of their players over the players that we have. Which and, is shocking. And to start to the season, it's bizarre, bizarre because in the past couple of years, the Bengals were always... I always looked at them just to say how admire their offensive line because they were bulldozers. And they were kind of, as a team, always very... You know, you could really respect what they had in terms of the talent they had mm-hmm. built up. They had the offensive line, running backs. They always had A.J. Green, some mm-hmm. wide receivers. They always had Dalton, who was at least at the very worst a middle-of-the-road quarterback. And they always have strong defense. Yeah. So now that's kind of imploded a little bit at this point. And so, and and you, you talked about how Dalton is middle-of-the-road at best. I mean... When, I said at worst. Oh, I'm sorry, at worst. I meant at worst. <laughs> at I might worst. not have said that, but I meant at worst. Maybe I heard at best because <laughs> I, I was kind of twisting it more to my narrative. But, I mean, it's it's just showing, it's just amplifying his weaknesses because he's just running for his life. Um, the usage of the running backs is bizarre. Jeremy Hill clearly isn't getting the job done without huge gaping holes from their amazing offensive line right. in years past he's a guy that when you get him in the open field he's exactly. allowed to bring down he's fast and he can run you over but when he's just running into a brick wall he's not getting anything done joe mixon has shown flashes of brilliance and yet once he gets some space yeah but and, yeah. but yet once the second half comes around i think they ran the ball one time in the last 25 minutes against the steelers yes. which is Absolutely playing. They like playing the opposite type of game that the Jaguars (laughs) like to play. We'll pass the ball once in the second half. You can uh, run the ball once in the second half. We'll take that all day. So (laughs) I, it's just it's he uh, Goodberry says over and over again just complains about the uh, the coaching staff, and it's it's killing them as a team honestly. And um, I'm trying to find the tweet that yeah one of those aspects. For offensively, too, that beyond the John Ross situation, just the fact that Joe Mixon isn't being force-fed the ball more often. Mm-hmm. Like, this is one of the most talented players in the draft coming out. A lot of people said he was better than Leonard Fournette, but for his off-field issues, I wouldn't agree with that. But that's beside the point. He's a talented player. Why isn't he getting the ball more? It, it doesn't make sense. I mean, he's clearly... I mean, Giovanni Bernard still makes plays. He's playing well, much better than Jeremy Hill, and much better than Mixon in terms of pure uh, running. I mean, Bernard's the only one with over four yards of carry at this point in the season. So, but it's it's just to me, it just from what I've seen of the team, Joe Mixon is obviously the brightest spot in the backfield. Um, you have AJ Green. Basically, the recipe is just keep everything short and try and just eke it out each time. He he said um, they don't throw deep, they don't they don't get they don't care about getting speed on the field. Um, they don't have a plan. They don't make halftime adjustments. They just they have no idea what they're doing. And this is from a Bengals. Sounds terrifying. Uh, 
The guy that covers the Bengals. Yeah, beat writer for the Bengals, you know. Now, on the other side of the football is kind of why they've been in games with the Packers. They've beaten Buffalo. Um, they've won. They've done some nice things because their defense is really carrying the load. Um, they've they've got a ton of names. Geno Atkins might be the best defense tackle outside of Aaron Donald. Um He's certainly playing like he has five sacks. Yeah, Carl Lawson, the guy that I gushed over in the in the in the draft season, he's getting after it, killing it right now. Um, Chris Smith, yeah, former Jaguar, is playing well. Um, they he actually, I believe, wrapped up the game for them last yeah. week with a sack against the Colts. They've they've allowed twenty or less points four times, and no one has scored over thirty. For them, yeah. Against the Steelers, them. dropped twenty nine on them. That was the most they've given up. So they they're not really creating turnovers while the offense is turning the ball over quite a bit. Right. Um. So it's kind of like a Jaguars last year where we have solid defense, yet we couldn't. We just couldn't. You have a solid defense, but turnover. not defense going to win you games. Exactly. It's enough to keep them in it, but with the stagnant offense. We saw it last year. It can only last so long before guys get gassed. Offenses just keep doing what they're doing to, to wear you down. Um, the running game, they've been weak against it. Um, they haven't, I mean, they're relative. in the bottom half of the league, but they haven't been terrible. But they're facing the number one rushing offense in football. Yeah, and we're gonna give them a heavy dose of it. Right. Their pass, their pass defense is better than their run defense by a long shot. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I mean, we're talking about a lot of stuff here. On paper, on paper, this is a mismatch. Yep. For the Jaguars, big time. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our predictions. Mm-hmm. There's no need to keep talking about this. We've provided some good insight here. Yeah. Uh, you can go first. Yeah, I mean, I've I've breaking it down. I think they're gonna have to throw a ton. Um, looking back at the Steelers game, they basically just uh, completely abandoned the run game, and I think that's what plays into our hands. Um, I think they're Andy Dalton is turnover prone. I don't think that they have any real playmakers outside of AJ Green and Joe Mixon, and the coaching staff will not put them in a position to win, and they've shown that they won't. Um, to me, what they will need to rely on is hoping that A.J. Green can carry the load yeah. single-handedly win the game. And that's really the only thing that I see that they can do to to compete in this game. And that's a lot to ask of a guy going against Jalen Ramsey and yeah. A.J. Boya. And you know he's going to get a lot of attention. There's probably going to be a safety over the top. Because honestly, if any of the guys on the injured report, aren't playing, I mean, their number two guy could be anyone. Yeah. And, and you, you just throw a guy over there and just say, all right, we know, we know we're good on that side. Is John Ross in the game plan this week? Yeah, will he even suit up? <laughs> Who knows? Apparently, they, they have no interest in, get, in focusing on him as a part of the game. I don't like where they're at as a team. I think Marvin Lewis is a dead man walking. If he's not fired at the end of the year, it's gross negligence by this front office. Yeah. Get some new life in there because they have so much talent that they're 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 just 
squandering it, leaving it on the bench. Um, I I think it's going to be a twenty three to ten kind of game. Um, I'm still I'm still not confident enough to really put all my eggs in the offense's basket. I think it will be a dominating performance, but a lot of points. I think I, th- I mean I think uh, I'm like Josh Lambeau is going to have a busy day. Um, yeah, that's we're going we're going to get some turnovers going. Um, I think 23 to 10 is the kind of number that we we will see, and it might not even feel that close. Yeah, yeah, I could see it being a game where the score is not that out of hand, but the Bengals just aren't doing anything on offense. Now, you have 23 10. Is that right? I do. All right, I have the Jaguars dropping. The first uh, 30-point game on the Bengals this week. I like the Bengals it. have allowed. 30-13 to 13 Jaguars. Bad Bengals offensive line. Bad Bengals offense. Add Marcel Darius to the Jaguars defense. Add some teal to the uniforms. <laughs> Forever teal. Yeah. Give me a Jaguars big win. I mean... The Jaguars haven't won at home yet this year. We'll get into that a little bit more in just a minute, but I don't see how the Bengals' offensive line can possibly block the Jaguars' defensive line, especially with Marcel Darius. I don't see how their receivers do anything against the Jaguars' uh, um, secondary. You know, A.J. Green is going to get his every once in a while, but he's not going to be enough to sustain their offense, in my opinion. And... I see the Jaguars scoring on defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible. I mean, Andy Dalton has a five-interception game on the first game of the season, yeah. just like we had against the Steelers. Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be it's going to be an exciting game, I think. Um, I, I I I don't know exactly. I would say that. Double-digit sacks could potentially be on the board if they didn't get the ball out so quickly. <laughs> That's the yeah, only thing. Screen game thrown to running backs. Yeah, just little slants, just hoping somebody breaks something. If 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 they didn't have so much of that in their game plan, I would say, yeah, go out there and get 10 again. Yeah, and who knows? They might be able to. Yeah. If you're bump and run and no one's getting off the line of scrimmage, you might not have anywhere to throw it. Now we've been hyping up the Jaguars pretty, uh, pretty unanimously here in this uh, Jaguars versus Bengals preview, but we're gonna have to pump the brakes a little bit in our last segment that we're gonna do of the episode today. We're gonna skip a segment because I want to end on a note that really lets Jaguars fans know this team, while they're exciting and while they've done some amazing things, has not arrived yet. They're not true contenders yet. Mm-hmm. They very well could be and probably should be very soon. But first, let's look around the AFC South. We already know the Jaguars play the Bengals. Jaguars four and three. Bengals three and four. Or are they two and four? I just pulled that up. Let me see here. I, I think I think they're two and four. Yeah, I think they're two and four as well. I think that's a typo on my part. Either two or four and two and five. Yeah, they're not playing great football like we've talked about. The Titans, they face the Ravens, which uh, neither team is playing great football, but they both have four wins. The Ravens have four losses, while the Titans have three. 
Uh, the Titans are coming off a game. They had their bye week, which should help them injury-wise. But coming off a game where they barely beat the Browns in overtime, couldn't put up any points. The Ravens aren't the easiest team in the NFL to beat, but they're also... Don't tell Blake Bortles that. <laughs> they're also no slouches. Mm-hmm. Or they're also not great, I mean. Like, you know, they're 4-4. Four and four. Yeah. They're a team that... Some weeks they look pretty damn good. Some weeks their defense looks impossible to score against. Their secondary looks amazing. Uh, and some weeks they look like a team that just isn't ready to play. So Titans-Ravens is a really interesting matchup. If the Jaguars can blow out the Ravens like they did, and the Titans lose to the Ravens, and the Titans barely beat the Colts, I mean, you're starting to look at some matchups where it's like, the Jaguars have got to be better than the Titans. And if you look at the playoff picture right now, there's two teams that we are kind of in direct competition with. I'm throwing at the Dolphins because I don't trust in them one bit. I don't right. think they're going to win That's many fair. more games. The, t- the Titans, who are currently tied for the division, who hold the division playoff spot, and the Ravens, who if we, were, if we lost a game, they are basically the next one in. We're yeah. the sixth seed. They... Right now are the eighth seed, but I they're think right they, there, yeah. Yeah, they're right there. So, I mean, these two teams, we're almost directly competing with them for a playoff spot. So, if there's a week for a tie, let it be this one. <laughs> Man, how fun <laughs> would that be? Uh, that, that's a scenario I hadn't even thought of, Scott, but that would be something else. Now, another divisional contest. Colts and Texans, they're both bringing down the AFC South. Colts are 2-6, and six, Texans are 3-4. and four. But could you be more encouraged by a loss than the Texans are this week? They lose 41-38 to to the uh, Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Absolute shootout. Fantastic game. Deshaun Watson leads the league in touchdown passes. I mean, he's an early MVP candidate. If, if the Texans weren't 3-4, and four, I mean, if he was, uh, you know, 5-2, and 4-3, you're talking about him right there with Carson Wentz as an MVP candidate. And it's, it's been unbelievable how he's progressed and, and moved on. And I said it the first time he came onto the field in the Jaguars game. We're going to end up hating this guy. I hate yeah. that he's a Texan. I like him a lot, and I want him to succeed. But, man, do I hate him. Yeah, I still don't believe is. that he's as good as he's shown through um, mm-hmm. seven games. I mean, no one's that good. If he can, as a rookie, yeah. no one is that good. Yeah, and 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 with an off season to get some film, pick things out, he might start. You might see him start coming down to earth in the next season. Still a great player, though. Yeah, I no mean, just athletically, right now he's just he's just going out there, and it's it's amazing to me how Bill O'Brien has changed the offense completely to fit him. Yeah, it's it's it's. And O'Brien crazy. was a quarterback whisperer. Yeah, you know. Struggled with some really mediocre to below average quarterbacks in Houston, but he's a guy that's gotten a lot out of a lot of quarterbacks, namely Tom Brady. (laughs) But moving on to uh, our PFF minute here, Jaguars are unanimous picks to beat the Bengals by Pro Football Focus staff. That's not really shocking. We both believe the Jaguars should win fairly easily. I do find it a little bit surprising that everyone in the Pro Football Focus staff believes the Jaguars will win. Um, 
on paper, it's not a great matchup, but the Jaguars are four and three mm-hmm. for a reason. They're not five and two. They're not six and one. They're a team that has shown some weaknesses. And I'm a little surprised that all of the Pro Football Focus staffers picked the Jaguars. Yeah. And I mean, as long as Blake Bortles is the quarterback, there's always the opportunity for a meltdown game. Is that the first time we brought his name up this whole podcast? It is. <laughs> I really think it is. Cheers to that. I think that's what Doug Marone would want. Yeah. That's, yeah that, that was the game plan at the start of the year. Just run at every play and forget about the quarterback. Now, PFF has also released a graphic. Telvin Smith, in terms of linebackers, he has the third highest run stop percentage at 11%. He's behind a few elite guys, but that just goes to show you that contract well-deserved by Telvin Smith. Uh, he's playing lights-out football. And getting. let's go back a little bit to our Jaguars-Bengals preview. We mentioned the screen game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Doug Marone mentioned the screen game and that it was a major concern for the Jaguars. Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, if they can do anything, it should be able to be stopping screens. Getting yeah. sideline to sideline and just taking down backs. And you, and you know that the defensive line is every before every defensive drive, hey, hey, watch the screen. Green. Watch the screen. <laughs> but... I've, I've actually in the in the past couple of games I've watched. There's been plays where the, the offensive linemen get beat so bad that the de- that the defensive lineman turns back around because they think it's a screen, realize it's not one, and keep going to the quarterback. Oh, so it's just it's 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 crazy. You know, well, it's in their sad. head. Yeah. It's it's in their head to like, hey, I'm I'm winning too easily. No one's <laughs> What's touching going me. On? What's happening? Yeah. So, but it's I mean it's definitely going to be something that we preach in because. It's they they've shown that it's something that you need to watch out for. Yeah. So that's that does it for our PFF minute. The Pro Football Focus does a great job. Um, we don't always agree with everything they put out, but we do love them. And they didn't have that much to put out about us this week, considering the Jaguars are coming off a bye week. Most of their graphics they put out are on a week to week basis. So, uh, shout out to those guys. Love them. We're still waiting on our. Uh, our endorsement check from those guys, but <laughs> it is what it is. Keep one, let one walk. Last week we did Dante Fowler and Unique Ngakwe. We both kind of picked Dante Fowler, even though we were both like, oh God, are we actually doing yeah. this? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we did that. Now this week we're going to do AJ versus AJ. All right. You want AJ Boye or you want AJ Green? Do you want an elite receiver? Oh Truly elite receiver. One of the very best athletes at the receiver position of all time, without question. Mm-hmm. He's probably not the best athlete at the wide receiver position right now. I mean, you've got Julio always looming. But is there a better athlete at wide receiver than A.J. Green besides Julio? I mean, just with pure body control, just finding the ball in the air, just pure athletic ability. Just the fact that they came out of the same draft is unbelievable. I mean, it's, they they might go down as two of the best of all time. I mean, they they will. Yeah, they will. So I and then you've got AJ Boye, who's one of the most physical corners. Yeah. He's gifted, young. He's really young. young. Uh, he's aggressive. He backs down to no one. Yeah. He's been called by Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in football, 
Uh, he, according to Pro Football Focus, and according to just his quarterback, uh, his quarterback's rating against him, he's remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you want here? Oh, oof. man, it's tough. AJ Green is a little older. Yeah. I would say I love AJ Boye. I think I've I've been preaching up. I've been gushing over him ever since he was on the Texans. But give me a guy that Kirk Cousins will throw to next year over and over again for touchdowns. Um, no, you like I, that? Yeah. Oh yeah. How's uh, the Kirk Cousins? Yeah. Reference? I I just think and then AJ Green is one of the best to do it. I mean, he's a physical freak. Um, him he's is what Allen Robinson wishes he was. Yeah. And maybe could We've be made one that comparison. Yeah. I don't think Allen Robinson can be because I don't think he has that extra gear to yeah. find the ball. That's just me. Yeah. I mean, but it's it's so hard to pick against against a freak like that. And we're going to we will literally be able to watch them yeah, and, and come back next it. week. And say, this is who won. Because they will be going head-to-head. Yeah, we need to watch that matchup. It'll happen maybe a few times, maybe more than a few times. If Jalen lets AJ get away from him. <laughs> yeah. He does not like, he does not like to, to give out uh, the, the best receiver. But, I mean... He certainly doesn't. It's... AJ Boye, I love him. I, I'm so glad he's a Jaguar, but I gotta pick AJ Green. Now, this show, for the most part today, has been a Jaguars love fest. Mm -hmm. Let's pump the damn bricks, all right? The Jaguars still have a lot to prove on this season. Yeah. They absolutely do. They're only 4-3. and They lost to the Jets. The Jets have some good wins, it seems like, but they didn't play good football against the Jaguars. The Jaguars let the Jets win that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, They lost a couple more games. They lost to the Rams. Allowed 17 special teams points. Two special teams touchdowns. You know, you can't have that. And then they got their asses handed them in the second half against the Titans. This is not a perfect football team. In my mind, they still have three things left to prove before I can be convinced that I think this team can win in the playoffs. I already think they can make the playoffs. Yeah. But I don't want to talk about that anymore. I want to talk about winning in the playoffs, winning against quality football teams when it matters most. The Jaguars have to win at home. They're 0-2 at home this year. No, Wembley does not count in my book as a home game. They haven't won at Everbank Field. And both of their games at Everbank Field really were sloppy games where they didn't deserve to win. Yeah. I don't like seeing that. They have five out of their next seven games at home. If they can't figure out how to win at home and quick, they're going to fall behind in the division. Yeah, and if they keep going at the pace they're at, it's 8-8 eight and eight and yeah. likely outside looking in. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's going to be like that because of the schedule that lines up, but you can't just sit back and just say, oh, we got an easy schedule. We're going to make the playoffs. It's not. It's whatever. This team has to learn how to win at home. There's a different pressure on them at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jaguars fan base is going to be hot this weekend. All teal, forever teal. The stadium's going to be you know, completely teal for the most part. We're giving away teal shirts at our tailgate. The Jaguars are encouraging everyone to wear teal. Jaguars will be wearing teal themselves for the first time since 2013. Uh, 
they got to go out and win this game. And they've got to uh, win more games at home moving forward. But winning this game will do something that they haven't done yet either. Yeah. And that's win two games in a row. The Jaguars have yet to put together two solid performances in a row. Week one, great win against the Texans. Week two, pretty embarrassing second half loss to the Titans. Week three, you go and you... Uh, who was week three? That was Ravens game. Week three, you go beat the crap out of the Ravens at Wembley in London, 44-7. to Week four, you go to the New York Jets, and you lose to a team that you should never have any business Basically just to. sleepwalking through the first half. Yeah. Then you go over uh, to Pittsburgh. You hand it to the Steelers. <laughs> then you return home. And you play against the Rams, you give up all the special teams blunders, you lose the game, then you go beat the crap out of the Colts. It's time to put together two solid performances in a row. Because it's not like their losses have even been solid performances. Mm-hmm. They've been pretty close games aside from the Titans. But they have not been good performances. The Rams the and Jets game, I do not believe, and I mean this 100%, in, deep down... The, those two teams did not do enough to beat this team. And yet, there were mistakes all around against the, against the Jets. There were special teams blunders against... Well, I, okay, they did do enough to win because they won. But it was, it was things that shouldn't be an issue with this football team that suddenly sprouted into one. And it's and it's 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 things that I think are getting ironed out as the seasons goes on, but this is a sh- there's only 16 games in a, in a season, and then you're one and done. Yeah, you don't have room for mistakes. You need to get get it all out in the regular season, but this this bye week, the coaches should absolutely be going. Hey, we're tied for first in the division. Don't you dare think you're entitled to winning anything. No. There are clear there's clear evidence why this team lost this get these games and from now on that should not be an issue. Yeah. And getting to the final thing that they have to prove and this is something that if if they do this it will help out with one and two. It'll help out with winning at home and it'll help out with having two solid performances in a row. Stop the frickin' run. In your three losses, you're giving up almost 200 yards a game on the ground. You got uh, just gashed by the Jets big time. Uh, just huge run plays that were mental errors, really, uh, against the Jets. Uh, against the Titans, you could not stop Derrick Henry in the second half. And against the Rams, you didn't give up any chunk plays on the ground. But you just kept giving up four, five, six, seven, eight-yard carries to Todd Gurley all day, and he went for five yards a carry on the day without having a run of over 14 yards. Stop the run. The Jaguars, they know that this is an issue. They, they went out and addressed it yeah. by getting Marcel Darius, and if that doesn't help the run, I don't know what will. I think they're... I think that the run game will improve. I think they will have two solid performances in a row. And I think they will start to win at home. But they've got to do these things in order to be a true contender. Because if you win your division, guess what? You're playing a home game week one of the wild card. Yeah. 
assuming your record's not good enough to have a week one bye, which I am <laughs> assuming it won't be. <laughs> I don't know. With this schedule, I wouldn't put anything past them. I wouldn't put anything past them either. But at this point, it's hard to say that they're going to yeah. be the type of team that has a week one bye at only four and three. But win at home, get two solid performances in a row, and just start stopping the run. Marcel Darius, we need you, my man. We need you big time. But that's going to do it for our episode today. We had a great time. Sorry again if uh, we had some technical difficulties with the Hayes Carline interviews, but we really appreciate him coming on to the show and talking with us, and we look forward to having him on the show again. Uh, Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast, we appreciate them. They're big time for us. We couldn't uh, enjoy some great local brews for free every uh, episode without them. And we couldn't really uh, keep the ep- the show going without them. They help out a lot. Big shout out to them. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And of course, check them out at their two locations, Roselle Street in Riverside and East Bay Street downtown. Check out genjag.com for our Welcome to Saxonville shirts, our Lord Ramsey shirts, Believer Since Weaver. We've got a great line of Jaguars culture shirts right now that we really are proud of. So go check them out at genjag.com. Check out our videos at genjag.com that are brought to you by UCF Jaguar. If you don't know him, you got to go follow him on YouTube. He puts out videos all the time. He's on Twitter at UCF underscore Jaguar. Go give him a follow. He's a great Jags follow for sure. And follow Scott Klein at Scott Klein one Follow myself at Jordan DeLugo. And our uh, missing co-host, who hopefully should be brought back to us soon, Hunter Evans. He's at Coach H underscore Evans. Returning soon. We will have a glorious comeback. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be I'm so excited. great to have Hunter back. <laughs> Much as I love you, Scott, <laughs> I believe three is a party. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Four is a crowd, and plus it, it it brings much more of an X's and O's kind of feel to it, where he can really go further in depth than right. We really and he's can. such a unique guy because he really does get in depth with the X's and O's, but he's also just such a homer for the Jaguars. yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. Great. I can't wait to get into an argument with him. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> Me and Scott agree too much on things, but that's the way it is. We're both just great, smart people. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves us. We're the best people in the world. <laughs> now, we do have our tailgate this weekend for the Bengals game. We're going to be giving away 20 free Forever Teal shirts for the first 20 people that show up to the tailgate. We're excited about that. Uh, we're going to have all our merchandise out there. Brews from Bold City Brewery, Green Room Brewing, vodka from Cra- uh, Carve Craft Vodka. Uh, Briggs Tap House is throwing us Bud Light and Budweiser for those of you who don't like great beer, great local beer. And we'll have Metro Diner Chicken Biscuits. So come on out, enjoy it. You can check our Facebook page for the event information on the tailgate. And if you have the time, please. Go on your podcast app if you have Apple, if you have an iPhone, and just search for Generation Jaguar Podcast or Gen Jack Podcast. We'll pop up there. Leave us a review. We work really hard at this, and uh, y'all's reviews mean a lot to us. They help us out a lot. We'd really appreciate it. And of course, follow us on SoundCloud 
And that's going to do it for this show. We hope everybody has a great rest of the week and really enjoys the Forever Teal theme on Sunday. Make sure to wear teal on Sunday. Don't wear black. Don't wear white. Don't wear gold. Wear teal. Jaguars are encouraging a teal out for this Forever Teal game. It will be the last time the Jaguars wear this rendition of their teal uniforms. They're going to be getting new uniforms next year. So come out, show some teal, and uh, enjoy yourselves. We're pumped for it. We hope you are too. That'll do it for our show. Have a great week, Duval. Thanks so much for listening to the Jinjag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at jinjag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time.